Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rambling Rev. My name is Scott Dalen, an ELCA pastor in Southwest Iowa. Yes, I am the Rambling Rev, and I want to thank you for tuning in for another episode of this podcast. Now, I present these episodes every week for a couple of different reasons. The first of which is to take my brain out of the mode of background work over the course of the week and move into the process of writing and proclaiming, not proclaiming, preparing the sermon that I will proclaim to my congregation for the weekend. That is the first reason. And the second is just to allow you, the listener, who have graciously given of your time to come by and listen to me ramble for a while to gain some insight in the assigned text based on the Revised Common Lectionary, a three-year organizational tool that breaks down scripture into readable and usable passages. So that is why I do these. This particular Sunday, which is February 16th, 2020, the sixth Sunday after Epiphany, we're getting close to the end of the season of Epiphany. Our gospel lesson comes out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. Now, as I mentioned, we're getting close to the end of Epiphany. We've got actually one more week, the 23rd, which is Transfiguration Sunday. Sunday, which ends the season of Epiphany. That's always the final Sunday before we hit Ash Wednesday and move into the season of Lent. Now, Ash Wednesday and Lent does tend to move around a little bit. It moves retroactively away from where Easter begins. Ash Wednesday this year is on the 26th of February, so the 23rd will be Transfiguration Sunday, but that's next week. And this week, again, being the 16th, we're still in Matthew 5, a continuation of where we've been for the last several weeks. As we've moved into the season of Epiphany, and we got past the first couple of weeks anyway, we started to hear uh, teaching of Jesus and the way that he is revealed through his actions and through his early ministry. That's really what we've been focusing in on. And specifically, we've been looking at things from the standpoint of the Sermon on the Mount. This is now our third week in a row that we've been into the Sermon on the Mount. We're still in chapter 5. If you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, it runs chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. If we continued through Epiphany and Epiphany was longer, we would actually have some more of the Sermon on the Mount. Of course, with the way the calendar is falling this year, that's not going to be the case. So this will kind of wrap things up. But it's important to take note of the setting that we are in in this ongoing, long, continuous uh, bit of teaching from Jesus, that setting and his audience, all of that is important as we consider a lot of the words that he is speaking. But for me, I also really kind of zero in on the idea that this is building off the theme, his opening ministry theme of the kingdom of heaven is here now. And specifically, the way he words that, his first words in public ministry, which I've said this in several past episodes, the first things that we hear from Jesus as he begins his ministry is, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. A direct echo of what we have heard from John the Baptist in the opening portion of this whole process uh, that goes back even farther than the beginning of Jesus' ministry John says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then that ongoing focus on the kingdom of heaven, what does life look like in the reality of the kingdom of heaven, seems to be the focal point of this whole ongoing, not only his his ministry, but the focus of this, this entire Sermon on the Mount as a whole. And again, I've said that already, but I think that's important as we continue to explore the depths of the brokenness of the world, the the presence of sin uh, within the world as a whole, within humanity as a whole, and within ourselves as individuals. All of that is, is important to take note of. With that being said, let's go ahead and read the passage, and then we'll get into it. I'll ask you to bear with me. It's kind of a longer one uh, than normal. We've got upwards of like 16 or 17 verses this time, so it's kind of long. Again, this is Jesus speaking 
a direct continuation from where we've been over the course of the last couple of weeks. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not bear, swear falsely, but carry out the vows that you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Okay, so that's the passage. As we get into it, I want to throw out a disclaimer I've preached on this one before, and anyone that's listening that is a part of my congregation, if you've heard me preach on this one before, you know that I really don't enjoy this one. I think that this is a great, great passage. I really appreciate what Jesus is presenting and what he's reminding us of here. But I've struggled greatly with the section of concerning divorce, the portion where it talks about, you've heard it said that if you're going to divorce your wife, give her a certificate of divorce which is a reference back to Mosaic law. And that was actually considered a protection for the woman so that she could be cleared of any legal potential issues with a dissolved marriage. That's what the writ of divorce or the certificate of divorce was aimed at. But then Jesus says that anyone who divorces his wife causes her to commit adultery and anyone who divorces or who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And that's troublesome. That's very, very troublesome within this day and age, within my congregation, as I look out and I know that there are people who have been divorced and are now into a, a, a subsequent marriage, and that's a very good relationship, and this is a hard passage. I just want to throw that disclaimer out initially and, and recognize the difficulty of this, but then I want to get more back into the rest of the passage as a whole. So again, to reiterate what I said kind of in the beginning, this is... I think pointing out the depths of the brokenness of the world, that as the kingdom of heaven comes among us, we are called to live in a way that is different. And yet it also reveals why we needed Jesus to come and fulfill the law on our behalf, something I talked about in last week's episode. Because it's not just our actions. It's not just the way we physically live out the letter of the law or the letter of the rules or the right and wrong of things. And it goes beyond that. When I'm teaching this type of thing in confirmation, specifically when we're looking at the Ten Commandments, 
I come at it from the perspective of our very intentions are broken. And we hear that in what Jesus is talking about. You know, he says, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. It's like, duh, don't kill anyone. And if you commit murder, you're liable to judgment. But then he tells us, if you're angry with a brother or sister, it's like you've already committed murder and you're liable to judgment just by being angry. And Jesus was human. He had emotions. He got angry. He knows how hard that could be to control. It's not like we can just force ourselves to not be angry. And so, but it it escalates. Then he says, if you insult someone, you're liable to the council. And then if you call someone a fool, you're liable to hell (laughs) or Gehenna is what it is, which is its own thing, a burning trash heap in the Hinnon Valley outside of the walls of Jerusalem. That's Gehenna. But anywho, that's a side note but that you're liable to burn for simply calling someone a fool. Well, jeepers, I'm liable to hell usually by the first hour I've been up every day, if not before that. So we see that it's, it's this ongoing thing. It's not just how we act, but it's, it, it's within us. It's our emotions. It's our thoughts. All of this is broken and reveals the truth about us, that, that we need a savior, that we are unable to fulfill righteousness. Again, something we talked about last week. We're unable to do that on our own. We see the same thing with adultery when he shifts into that. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Now, definitions of adultery are different from Jesus' day to now, who's involved, who is, is, whose fault, all of that. Opinions are different very patriarchal society compared to still pretty patriarchal today, but maybe not quite as bad as it was 2000 years ago. And even uh, in the time before that, but, but what do we make of that? And Jesus says, it's not just about the physical act of adultery. He says, you ever look too long at, at, at someone that you're attracted to and you've had impure thoughts about them? Guess what? That's in there. And what's also interesting, what actually gives me a little bit of a charge in this is Jesus really turns things around instead of making it the fault of the girl who's being looked at, he turns it back on on the eye of the beholder. And he says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's not her fault that you can't control yourself. Tear your eyes out if you can't control yourself. And if you can't keep your hands to yourself, cut your hands off. It's better for you to be maimed than it is to go into hell because of your actions. He says that, he escalates things. But he reminds us that it's not just about the physical act of sex outside of marriage. It's about our thoughts and our motives and and why are we even looking at a person? And I think it even goes beyond that. It goes into the action of, or action is not the right word. It goes into the, perhaps the act of looking at someone as an object rather than as a person, as a beloved child of God, a fellow beloved child of God, as a fellow bearer of the divine image, when we start to look at someone or treat someone in a way that does not reflect that, we are seriously flawed and we are seriously broken and we are doing it wrong to the very heart of our being when we start to do that. I think that's really at the basis of what Jesus is saying here. And when he goes on and he talks about divorce and he talks about oaths and all these things, it's still more of the same. It's the intention behind it. It's treating someone as less than human. It's treating someone as, uh, and relationships as less, as less than important. And, and all of this, it really gets down to the heart of how we interact with one another, the way relationships are broken between us and God, as well as us and our neighbors, and even us and the world, and us and ourselves. All of this is affected by the brokenness of, of sin in our broken reality. And that's really kind of, I think, what is at the heart of this. And again, it ties back into these things that we've been talking about for several weeks now 
And I was talking with a, a member about a day or so ago, and I commented on that, that in the last couple of sermons I preached, I think I've sort of been laying some groundwork for this one, not intentionally so. It's not like I was doing it as a, as a sermon series. It just kind of came up that way. But I think that that's important, that all of these things point out to us why the kingdom of heaven had to come near to us because we cannot achieve righteousness and get to the kingdom of heaven. It has to come to us, and it is done so through Jesus. Jesus has brought the kingdom to us. Jesus has come to fulfill the law on our behalf and faith in our need for a savior. And Jesus as that savior is what creates righteousness. So rather than earning it through our thoughts and actions and words and attitude and everything, we know we can't. The law points that out. Jesus fulfills it on our behalf. I I really think that's at the heart of what's going on here and what's happening. So that, that, that really kind of, I think, gets at it. And, I mean, we could continue to dig more and more into the different parts. I, I know one other thing I do want to bring up, I guess, as I sit here and think about it a little bit longer. And I want to go back to the, uh, the divorce passage. This is an example of ways that things that are good can become destructive. And that was something that I talked about last week. Last week, Jesus says, you are salt and you are light. And I really focused in on how salt is a good thing but it can be destructive. And light is a good thing, but it can be destructive. And I think we see that here, that marriage is a good thing, but can be destructive. Divorce was actually intended as a good thing, as a protection, but it got twisted and it can be a dangerous thing. And even scripture itself, which is very, very good, can be destructive when it's used in a bad way, when it's used in a broken way. We hear it called clobber verses. That's, that's a, a term that one of my colleagues threw out to me this week, that this is a clobber verse. This is used to hammer on people who are divorced and to make them feel less than and to make them feel unworthy and to make them feel like the gospel is not for them. And that's not the point of the gospel. That's not the point of the scriptures. The point of the scriptures is to point out that we all need it. We're all broken. We're all flawed and not to use it as a basis for beating somebody up. And Lord knows that there are plenty of those verses out there for different topics or different lifestyles or all kinds of different things. What one person might call sin, they use scriptures to hammer on someone else and make them less than. Well, guess what? That's exactly what Jesus was was talking about here. That's using scriptures to exclude someone who is a fellow child of God, a fellow bearer of the divine image, and to make, to to say, I'm in, you're out. And when we do that, we're using scripture wrong, and we're taking something that's good, and we are twisting it to our own devices. That, I think, is where the, this passage is going to go, or where this sermon is going to go. That's kind of what's really prominent in my head right now. And I'm just trying to figure out how to get it out of there. But I want to thank you for tuning in and for listening to me ramble on and on and on with this. Uh, I hope you have a blessed week. Now, next week, I will be back with another episode. I'm not preaching next week. So next week's will be one of those more shorter, just kind of shooting from the hip general knowledge, as opposed to actually having jumped in and worked with the text like I have this week. But uh, that will be coming down the pipe again next week. Uh, if you find these beneficial you and you happen to be living and you happen to be listening on iTunes, you want to give a rating or review that really helps get it in front of more and more people with their algorithms. That would be very appreciated. Otherwise, I hope you have a blessed week and we will catch you next time.